It's episode 18 of the Rim Pro Report. Today, Randy Ronson from Shredfast. Uh, some industry news and a whole lot more. Here we go. Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Report. The one and only weekly broadcast for the Rim Support Services industry. Bustling with news. Views. Here's what I believe. And the latest updates. That's just them. The show is full of interesting information. Stories. Yes. Important product and service reviews. Yes. And a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators. Shred and destruction vendors. Media and electronic vaulters. Scanners and imaging providers. Take note. This show is for you. Now, here's your host, Tom Adams. Hey, welcome back to the Rim Pro Report. I'm glad you're here today. Hey, fall is, I think, officially arrived, even here in San Diego. Uh, it just seems that the weather is changing. I was in Chicago earlier this week, and Chicago is fully into fall, and I loved it. What a what a great time of year. This is easily my favorite time of year. Hope you are well and business is thriving. On today's show, we're going to go a little bit different direction than I think we've normally done. We've been doing a lot of sort of startup stories, uh, who people are, get to know a little bit more about them and, and what they're doing in the industry. And today, I, I've been thinking a lot that one of the things that a lot of people in the destruction industry deal with is those trucks and keeping them in good shape. And so a, as a completely, you know, as a complete change of pace today, I actually wanted to uh, hook up with Randy Ronson, who is the equipment trainer and field service support uh, person, um, manager, I can't even remember what his title is, but he, he really helps people figure out what they need to do with their mobile equipment at Shredfast. And, um, I asked him to come on the show today to give us some tips and pointers and hints and where people are making mistakes. So we're going to chat with him in a few minutes about that. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, what else is going on? Ah, man, there's lots, lots going on. I've fallen. And I can't get up. Oh, oh dear, that's not too good, Mrs. Fletcher. But I, I, I get the sense you've called the wrong number. This is the Rim Pro Report. This is not the helpline. Uh, we can't really do much for you here, but we can, in fact, help you in the Rim Service industry with some of the stuff that you're dealing with. So, something that I've I've been thinking about recently, and it comes as a result of questions that I get asked frequently or assumptions that that uh, are given me and I, I often have to make sure that I clarify these assumptions for people and this one relates specifically to web marketing and I I hope this will be helpful to you in your marketing knowledge specifically in your web marketing knowledge and, and it really relates to uh, you know a fundamental issue in web marketing uh, during my service in the United States at Congress uh, I took the initiative and creating the internet. Well, that that's very good, uh, Mr. Gore, but I, I really wasn't worried so much and didn't really want to clarify who invented the internet, and I'm grateful that you did, but it's more about how to work with it, specifically as it relates to domain names. There is this prevalent belief that I keep hearing over and over and over again that if you have a bunch of different domain names and they all point to your site, that somehow that's going to benefit you somehow benefit the search engine. So the example is this. If you have uh, a domain named yourcompany.com 
And then you've gone out and bought yourcompany.net and yourcompany.org and potentially a few more interesting variations on that. The belief is that if somehow all these domains are active and go back to your website, that that will help you and benefit you. In fact, I, I'm sorry to say it's exactly opposite. Google and the other search engines despise what they consider duplicate content. So if you have all of these domains and they all resolve to themselves, meaning if somebody types in yourcompany.com, the address that shows up in the, the browser address line is yourcompany.com. Uh, that's what it means to resolve. If you have a yourcompany.com domain resolved to itself, but you also have yourcompany.net, it resolves to itself to the yourcompany.net address, but shows the exact same content as yourcompany.com. You've actually created what Google and the other search engines deem duplicate content. And they deem it duplicate content because what they figure is you're trying to game the system. You're trying to use multiple domains to keep showing the same stuff in hopes that something will rise to the top or you'll get better results. The fact is it actually works against you and what Google does is it decides for you and, and really eliminates many of them uh, or all of them potentially. So what I'm suggesting to you is this. There is one way around it, and the only way around it is if somebody types in yourcompany.net, that domain name, uh, what it does is resolves to yourcompany.com. So essentially what Google understands, what the search engine spiders understand is if that domain name, somebody types that in, uh, it, it's irrelevant to the search engine. The search engines don't ever see that domain. All they ever see is your .com name address. The .net stuff is irrelevant to them. There's nothing in the in the uh, the web that pertains to that address. It's just if somebody types it in, it auto resolves through something your technical IT people will know how to do or web people will know how to do, which is resolve it and redirect it to your primary domain name. Don't messed up on that one. I see so many people doing that and it's creating problems for them. So uh, going forward, make sure that the, that belief doesn't remain in you. One domain should go to, or you should have one primary domain. It's the only domain that works for you. Every other one, uh, if you're going to use it, resolves. There's no inherent value in using them. The best use of domain names is to build mini sites, independent sites, different sites, not similar sites. Uh, because in the long run, it's your primary domain that's going to get the results for you. Uh, I hope that helps. And our, our goal on the RIMPRO report is to not only expose you to interesting people and interesting information, but also to help you out on a regular basis. So uh, there you have it. I think uh, that means we're going to the news. So here we go. Let's get some news. <laughs> Well, for those of you who know this lady, uh, this incredible woman, and how could you not, Lori Palmer of Reb Storage Systems International celebrated her 29th year this week with Reb. Wow, isn't that amazing? Congratulations, Lori, on your incredible contribution to the industry, to so many of us in the greater, uh, in this industry, you have been an invaluable resource both to many companies as individuals, many individuals, and to the industry as well. Um, just a, a tireless warrior for uh, this industry and for the people in it and for the companies that uh, they serve. So congratulations, Lori. Way to go. 
Looks like a good time was had by all at the Prism Data Protection Workshops in Winston-Salem this week. Uh, where hopefully, I've, I've heard glimpses, I've had emails from a number of people who have been at it this week, uh, but hopefully we'll hear the next scoop sometime later, uh, and we'll get that on our show for next week. Boxit, which is a UK-based room solutions company, won the Records Management Product of the Year Award for its cloud-based solution, OmniDocs. The Document Manager Awards, the of the one that they won, uh, it's a uh, voted on by readers of uh, Document Manager magazine, and it's to recognize success stories, products, and companies in the space that do really cool things. So, congratulations to Simon Ellis and the team at Boxit. Speaking of them, Boxit, they just merged with StoreText, which is a digital document management provider uh, company. They will function under the Boxit name, under that label, under that brand, um, but uh, seems to be that whole space continues to grow. So congratulations again to Boxit uh, in the uh, ongoing growth and the awards they've won. Iron Mountain has just hired Tazosilokis. I don't even know if I said that right, but I hope I did, who's the former chief information officer for Affiliated Computer Systems to lead its IT organization. Uh, Tassos Salakas he becomes Iron Mountain's executive VP and chief information officer and he takes over for Bill Brown who moves into a new role as senior VP of global compliance um, Salakas is a 25 year IT veteran he served with uh, ACS which is now part of the Xerox company since 2007 and has done a lot of work on that he's also been um, worked with Home Depot and doing customer facing technology and uh, vice president there. So, man, this guy has has had a lot of experience uh, in that field, and he's being brought in to Iron Mountain to, I guess, uh, head up some new development there. So, uh, congratulations to Sadzos. Uh, AAA need certification keeps rolling out through many of the larger companies. ProShred, uh, which is a large franchiser from Mississauga in Canada, uh, just announced all of its operations are now AAA compliant. So, ProShred uh, following Iron Mountain and many of the other larger providers are are becoming uh, AAA compliant. So um, congratulations to them on that. 55th Annual ARMA Conference and Expo is coming up pretty soon. November 7th uh, starts in San Francisco. And uh, I noticed just looking through the Expo list today that a lot of the larger multi-city or regional players are exhibiting at that conference. I don't know if you're going. If you are, uh, that's, a, uh, that's a big conference. Lots of interesting stuff happening there. But, you know, that's uh, that's all for now. I, I, I realize there's lots of news. There's lots of stuff going on in the world. And if something of interest is happening in your space, uh, we would love to hear from you. So let us know. I think that's it for now. And, um, yeah, I can't wait. I'm going to see if we can get... Um, see if we can get Randy on the line, and we're going to talk to him shortly. Here we go. We are doing a slightly different show today, as I've explained earlier in the uh, RimPro report. And rather than just go this, merely the direction of people's stories and what they're learning and stuff like that, uh, we decided today to kind of take a different tact, and that is to uh, help you out with some of the problems you might be having in the area of your shred trucks. And so uh, I got Randy Ronson on the line, and he's the uh, he's from Shredfast, and he's in a, a 
equipment trainer. He's a field service rep. He does sales for Shredfast. And I, w- I wanted to get someone who, who had kind of a, a really inside knowledge. Randy, are you on the line? Uh, yes, sir. Hey, it's great to have you on the RimPro Report. I am, um, I, I am aware that there's this booming industry out there, and people are buying shred trucks like crazy, and there's tons of shred trucks on the road. And my sense in talking to people is that, you know, it's one thing to buy a shred truck. It's another thing to keep that thing humming and on the road. And you are an expert in making sure those things work. Tell me a little bit about, before we get into that, uh, a little bit about where you've come from, your history uh, as it relates to shredding equipment, and uh, just give me a sense of, of your background. Okay, great. Yeah, uh, we started out as a, a shredding company that had built our own equipment and used our own equipment in our own market. Yeah. And after five years of building that company, um, our owner, Dave Rajeski, yeah, he wanted to get into strictly manufacturing. So we sold the shredding company, and I stayed with him, and we started up a company called Shredfast in 1999. Okay. And so I've been working with uh, customers in the sales uh, design in the beginning. Uh, I do equipment training of the operations and applications and also do field service. Okay. So you're, you're, you're pretty much involved in, in, in every facet of shred truck related stuff. Yes, I try to be. I think it's uh, better to be more well-rounded with the equipment than just have uh, one specific area of expertise. Well, this is this is why I think it's important to talk to you today because, uh, like I said, there's so many shred trucks on the road now. Um, you know, not only your equipment but other people's equipment, and uh, a lot of people are finding you know the big expense or the big frustration with the shred truck is they break down, they they don't get looked after appropriately or whatever. And I think there's a lot of mistakes people are making when it comes to their equipment. And so what I wanted to ask you was was to get your thoughts on what are people doing wrong or maybe conversely, what should they be doing? What are some of the, the major things that uh, people who run shred trucks should be very aware of, should be doing, should be not doing, should be uh, making a priority in terms of keeping that equipment running properly? So why don't, why don't we just start? What, what's one of the very first things that, that should be happening? Well, the biggest one that seems to be neglected, and a lot of it is because, you know, you buy a brand new truck, everything's new and shiny and uh, working exactly the way you wanted it to. Um, But cleaning uh, seems to be uh, one of the biggest Achilles heels as far as maintaining the equipment. Um, Whether it's a a piece of equipment that creates excessive dust or whether it's considered a dust-free system, when you shred paper and where that paper is stored, you, you end up with dust and particles in, in the compartment. Right. So cleaning seems to be the first thing that, uh, that causes a lot of the issues. So by, by cleaning, you mean going right into the guts of the machine, or you're not just talking the external part of the truck, because that's where everybody thinks yeah, that's got to be clean, but you're talking the guts of the, the, end, the, like the motors and that kind of stuff? Yes, inside the shredder heads, um, inside the compacting compartment, the storage area, um, inside the box and around the equipment, yes. Hmm. So it's it's the it it's one of the things that causes a lot of other problems to take place, is what you're saying? Yes. Um, a lot of a lot of the problems with the mobile equipment um, can be found and remedied really quick and easy and inexpensive if you find it quick. You know, it's just like things like plumbing in your house or things with your own automobile that you uh, you own yourself. Yeah. 
if it's really dirty and hard to see the issues, the only time you see the problem is when it turns into a big, expensive problem. Okay, so then, then, then a clean machine as well, because obviously equipment goes through, you know, equipment is prone to fail at some point or another. There's, there's some issue there. So a clean piece of equipment is actually probably easier to fix as well in the, in the after, you know, when somebody like you starts looking at it. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, it's a lot easier to diagnose. Um, you can see a small oil leak and be able to fix it with a wrench um, before it turns into a failed hose or a failed fitting. Got um, it. Or where you lose a lot of fluid and it becomes a, you know, a big mess where you actually create downtime to get it remedied. It's so funny because, you, you, you know, there's this assumption that, the, that if you know, it gets dirty, well, that's what equipment looks like. But the, um, the reality is the cleaner that equipment is, the easier it is to spot the problems before they become bigger ones. Exactly. Yeah, that's and, cool. you know, diagnosing is uh, the whole key to it. So the sooner you can diagnose it, the better it is. Um, I get I get calls daily from drivers. Uh, we try to uh, diagnose and fix problems in the field. Yeah. So that way you don't have to create downtime because I don't care what market you're in and what part of the world. One day of downtime takes you three days to catch up. Yeah, because then then you're running to catch up on the routes from yesterday. Correct. And the day before. So tell me about some operational things. What what are what are things what are people doing or drivers doing or companies doing or what should they be doing in terms of the effective operation of their fleet, of their equipment? Um, revisit the manuals that you went over when you first acquired your equipment. Um, go over the, the general maintenance, the things that you do not need to be an ASC certified mechanic to do. Okay. Like cleaning, uh, checking fluid levels, um, any belts or chains that need to be uh, retightened or checked the tension of. Um, these need to be scheduled um, duties. You know, they're just as important as scheduling a stop. Um, you know, create it as a stop. You know, so uh, like on a Friday morning or Friday evening, you know, you'd say, okay, the last stop of the day is our maintenance stop. Oh, okay. You know, and then, let, you know, delegate some of those duties to the drivers. You know, turn your driver into an operator. Because in a sense, that's what he really is. is he's an equipment operator, not just a driver. And the more in tune with the equipment he is and the more he understands how it operates, the easier it is for him to find a problem or hear something that's not right. And then when he gets on the phone with a tech, he can remedy it, remedy it himself, or at least when you take it to the shop, um, he's already diagnosed it. He can educate the shop on what needs to be done. Right. And it speeds up, you know, the the downtime, which is the biggest uh, problem, that which we is have a killer. In the industry. Yeah, killer. You need you need that truck moving. So, yeah. um, in terms of those kind of maintenance things, is that a daily thing? Is that it, like you said, you could do it every Friday, but it, it should be done regularly, should it not? It should. Um, it was really tough in in the equipment end of it, industry to determine what is daily, weekly, monthly, and annually as far as service. Um, you can go off miles, but you're not necessarily running the equipment, right? So, I had kind of interpreted daily is per load, per full load, because that's our ultimate goal is to send our equipment out in the field and create one full load a day as far as our route management. Uh, okay. So every time that you would unload a full load of paper, I would go through what, at least with Shredfast, what we consider a daily maintenance. You know, you're, you're unloading the truck, you're doing a visual overview, you know, you're in the truck, you blow it out, you clean it out you make it demo ready for the next day's routes. Uh, okay. 
Okay. Yeah, because I, I mean, I, I consider myself not necessarily, you know, all that mechanical, uh, and my tendency would be, oh well, it's fine, everything's working, and just just kind of leave it. But that's that's again when the problems start showing up when you're not doing that on a regular basis. Uh, it's the whole thing with our bodies. I mean, if if we're you know we're not looking after our bodies, then somewhere down the road that they, they're going to hit us back. Yes, definitely. Everything that is man-made, you know, um, needs to be maintained. Yeah. You know, uh, from your kitchen appliances to your house in general. You yeah. know, if you don't have time to do the maintenance then uh, on a piece of equipment or a product, then that product or piece of equipment will create the maintenance time for you. Is there a good time to do maintenance? Is there a time during the week? Is there some? Is there an activity, um, you know, that makes sense? To, is it, like you said, at the end of your, your last... You, your last um, route um, full load on Friday? Is there a reason to do it Friday versus Monday or Wednesday? Is is there some kind of uh, thought process you have around that? I have uh, I've experimented with a lot of our, our customers and from doing it myself as a fleet manager, I found Friday was the best time to do it. Okay. Friday, you know, afternoon or evening, usually you're you're picking up a lot of the slack jobs that you've done on Friday, and it, right. it can create a short day most of the time. So I would do it Friday as your last duty of the day. Uh, that way, if the if the operator actually sees something that he has concerns about, then you have the remainder of Friday and Saturday and Sunday, if you need to take it to your service center, to have it done and corrected so Monday morning you're fresh and ready to go for the week. Okay. That, and that makes a lot of sense. You've, you've got some flex time in there to to um, to kind of catch up if necessary. Yeah, because if you, if you do it on a Monday morning or Monday afternoon and you do find that you need to change a bearing or, or do some more extensive maintenance, then, you know, you're, you're going to get the same thing from your shop. You know, it's going to be three days before we can get this taken care of. Right. Well, now you're into Wednesday. Yeah. Now you've got a whole other week to make up for uh, Tuesday and Wednesday's downtime. And so basically what I've heard you say is clean after every load, but do your sort of a full look over maintenance uh, routine once a week. Yes, as a minimum. As a you minimum. Know, that, will, that will make a great change in your, your uptime. So do, do people sort of attempt to um, sort of back away from that maintenance? Do you see this? Do you see people sort of putting off that maintenance? You know, there was a rush job. There was uh, this big account that needed done. And so the maintenance gets lost because the, you know, the, the, the client's demanding something. Yes. Um, you know, as we're trying to get route density, we're trying to put on as many customers as we can. You know, and we see that, you know, that's revenue coming in. Um, people see maintenance as, you know, a non-revenue action. Right. It's a cost. It does fall off the priority ladder, so to speak. Yeah. So when, but, when, that, when that occurs, so when breakdowns occur, because we know they do, and we know that they can't necessarily get them into a shop, what's good sort of practice in terms of being prepared for that? How, how do you ensure you're ready for that to occur? Because we know it's going to occur. Right. Um, you, when everything is doing really well, when you purchase your, your brand new piece of equipment that is operating correctly, um, meet with your service center. Um, go over it with your, your route manager or your operators. Find out what duties you will or want them to do. Okay. And have them prepared and practice for it. You know, have them look at it when everything's operating correctly so that when they do have an issue, um, they're, they're not afraid to dive into it 
or if you take it to a service center, you know, we have a relationship already built with them. Okay. They've had a chance to look at it when it's new, yeah. and they can create a, a relationship with the manufacturer. So if they need parts sent out or if we need to do, uh, you know, phone consultation with them on how to educate them on going through the process, right. makes that a lot easier. So when you do have downtime, we're not having to go through an education process prior to actually taking care of the problem. Right. So so get your service provider needs to be um, very aware of, of your equipment. And, and it sounds to me then like you're, you're talking to, what, a local mechanic, local uh, garage, whatever you want to call it. You're talking to those people uh, when there are these sort of minor maintenance issues? Yes, uh you know, we, we bring them into the fold. I know at least I do. Um, when I deliver a new piece of equipment, you know, we'll look for their local service center. Okay. Okay. You know, people that they've already, they already use or already comfortable with, have a relationship with. And I, I like to try to make sure I see what kind of equipment they have, what kind of capabilities they have, because I'm preparing for, you know, the unknown. Right. Prior to it happening. So that way I can help them out. Because I know their eye is on the ball for, you know, creating new, new, new jobs. You know, we got a new piece of equipment. We got to put all these customers on to justify this purchase. So I try to do that myself um, for them. Right. Oh, that's cool. That's great. I found a, a really good relationship is born that way. Yeah, no, that's fabulous. And it's such a good idea. The, these are the things you don't tend to think about when you're on the other side. But, you know, when somebody's calling you and saying something's gone wrong, uh, it's logical to you to said, well, if we had done that, we would have saved ourselves two days in the, you know, of, of non-production. Yeah, and, and when you're shopping for equipment, and I know like when I go out and look for a brand new, new car or truck, um, it's all brand new and shiny. You know, you're not you're not thinking about, okay, what if this happens or what if that happens? You don't role play that. You know, we're all caught up in, in buying a new piece of equipment yeah. so we don't have any downtime. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's such a good point that we don't think through the implications of that because we've just spent, you know, um, our money on this big, beautiful piece of equipment that, that, you know, can eat small buildings at a single gulp. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So try to, uh, you know force yourself if need be or write on a piece of paper, you know, to ask about those things when you do acquire a new piece of equipment, you know, yeah. think about it in the five year term. All oh, right. That's great. Great. When idea. it's out of warranty, what, you know, what does fail? Um, can it be removed or replaced in the field? Um, does the truck come with, with tools to do your general maintenance? You know, is part of the training, not just how to push the buttons, but actually how to apply the equipment in the field, you know, both right. mechanically and operationally. Right. What about having, uh, in terms of maintenance, um, you know, things that are, are there little tiny parts on that on that the equipment that makes sense to have in, in sort of supply all the time, right on the truck with you? Yeah. Um, talk to your you know your service provider or you know the manufacturer would be better. Uh, find out what are the consumables. You know, is there a list of things like belts or bearings or chains? Um, a lot of the bells and whistles. Uh, technology is being implemented into the trucks now, you know, with uh, video monitoring, right? Um, proximity switches, you know, infrared switches for uh, operation of the equipment. A lot of these things are re- re- readily available and off the shelf. Oh, so okay. You need to find out what pieces of equipment are considered consumables. Yeah. Uses relays, small things, um, and have one or two of those, or ask your, your uh, manufacturer if they have a spare parts kit that they have developed for that piece of equipment. Oh, that's and great. It would be very, very good to have that on hand. 
if you don't acquire it with the equipment, you know, you can always get it after the fact. Yeah. Um, fuses, relays, there's a lot of parts and pieces in the truck that are easily removed and replaced in the field. Okay. A lot easier to replace a 25-cent fuse than to create a downtime and miss stops. Oh, yeah. No, that makes so much sense. And, the, and a 25-cent fuse could actually be the thing to, to shut you down for two days if you didn't have one as a backup. Exactly, and that is a very, very common thing. You yeah. know, they say, well, our drivers are not mechanics. Well, you don't need to be a mechanic for most of the general maintenance for, for the shredding equipment. Yeah. So a couple of what, – what should a fleet manager – and, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people in the industry who are one-truck fleet managers. So the fleet manager is also, you know, doing something else and running something else and potentially is driving it and is the route manager. What are some – whether they be large companies or one man, one woman operating uh, organizations, one truck um, or 20 trucks or 100 trucks, doesn't matter. What should fleet managers or route managers be uh, asking themselves on a regular basis? Yeah, well, the, the biggest question they got to ask themselves is uh, either I make time and schedule time for maintenance or the truck will schedule it for me. Hmm. Yeah. I have found through history that they never pick the real good time to schedule maintenance for you. <laughs> yeah. Murphy shows up at the wrong time always. Yes. He can either be our worst enemy or our friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. So it, it makes a lot of sense to, to really ensure that you've got a maintenance uh, plan in place from a daily plan to a weekly plan to, you know, uh, there, there must also be times uh, during the process that, a more detailed uh, equipment uh, where somebody does a, a complete once over on it. Is that also a requirement or is that an important piece of it? Yes. Um, most everybody that, that builds equipment in our industry, you know, will have it broke down into like a daily, a weekly, a monthly, and an annually. Okay. And, you know, you can treat that no different than stops that we create. Yeah. You know, you've got your weekly customers, your biweekly, your monthly, yeah. your annual, you know, PERS jobs. Um, I found it best to actually put maintenance in as a stop, make it part of the schedule. That's that's such a cool idea. A yeah, that's such a cool idea because it it makes it forces it into the 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 operating um, knowledge or the operations uh, you know plan of the day as opposed to just a an addendum item. Correct. You know, yeah. it becomes an asset instead of a problem. So uh, I put a gun to your head and I say, what's the most important thing that uh, shred operators, uh, route managers, whatever, owners of, of equipment, what's the most important thing they're failing to do? And you had to give me one. What's, what is the, what's the thing that drives you nuts? That it you, would be the cleaning. The cleaning. Okay. General house cleaning is the Achilles heel of the equipment industry. Wow. So Everybody says, well, we don't have time for it, or the drivers say, the route manager, he doesn't give us time to do it. You know, um, and it, it does. It boils, it boils down to general house cleaning. Wow. Well, that's, that's, that's so cool because, you know, there's a tendency to believe it's something else. And you're just saying just clean your equipment every day. Make sure it's really clean, and you will have a lot less problems. And when you have problems, they'll be easy to figure out. So, well, um, I, I didn't really mean to put a gun to your head, but I, I think that's such an important piece of information. And I know you probably say it, and many of the other uh, um, you know, vendors in the industry say it when, you, when they sell the equipment. But bottom line, um, you know, Randy's reminding us today that we've got to make sure we're cleaning it on a regular basis. 
Yes. Cool. Well, I really appreciate you doing this for us. I, I think, you know, despite the fact that it's it's a slightly different bend on what we do here normally at the Rim Pro Report, I am really grateful for you being a part of the show today and sharing your experience from your side of the desk, your side of the truck. Uh, and I, I know it's it's going to be a great reminder to people to keep cleaning and the other maintenance stuff in line on their, their equipment. So thanks again, Randy. Oh, I appreciate it. I, uh, I love your show. Um, and like I said, everybody in the document industry, you know, we're, we all have connections with each other. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's great to help out one another. It's a, it's a good family operation. Very cool. Well, thanks again, and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. All right. Thank you. All right. Cheers. Well, there you have it. Another show. Thank you so much to Randy Ronson for being a part of it from ShredFast. I really appreciate Randy's contribution today to the Rim Pro Report. Thank you, too, for being a part of the show this week. I hope today's show has been helpful to you. Hey, if you've got uh, any cool stuff that you want to share with us or would like to be a part of this program, we would love to hear from you. As always, it's been good to be with you. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. We're out of here. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com, where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.